0: Wow. Thank you so much for what a fantastic introduction, thank you. It's great to be here. It is so great to be here. I gotta tell you, I'm a little jet lagged. Uh, I went to bed at 10, 15 last night and woke up at 11.45 last night. <laughs> And then I saw, and this isn't like we all say this, oh, I was up all night. No, I was genuinely up all night. And so uh, I think Tom and I, a colleague of mine who's in the room or at least somewhere here on the campus of the church, uh, we, we think we got about 45 minutes of sleep is back there. And so we, we truly didn't get very much. And so we woke up from 11.45 until about 4. And I texted him around 2.50. And I'm like, I am wide awake. And I've got like this big emoticon, the emoji. I'm not an emoji guy. Anyone, a guy in the room that uses emoji? Don't raise your hand. Okay, we do. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We do. We, 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 we are the two in the room. So I sent an emoji, like the one with the face tilted and the tears coming out, but I think those are more like, I'm not laughing, I'm crying, but it's that delirious now. Anyway, we woke up at then five and we drove here and um, anyway, that to say, if what I say seems to be somewhat of an out-of-body experience is because it's not spiritual, it's because it's lacking sleep. That's the truth. Okay. Hey, um, no, in all seriousness, thank you so much for the true invite, the warm welcome. I am. I love being here. What a great family. What a great tribe. What a great church. And Ben and Emily, bless you and your team for creating such a great environment. And um, it is truly an honor to be here. And then meeting uh, your team, much of your team, two years ago, not so much the new team. So I don't know like um, PJ and others and the families, but still, I just love what God is doing among you. It's amazing. You know that God's at work here, right? You do know this, right? God is at work here. So meeting them a couple of years ago and then the invitation now and it working out for me to be here to learn from you guys, see what God is doing among you and also hopefully prayerfully to be able to speak some into your church is a huge honor. Thank you. It's a huge honor. Ben mentioned that I have seven kids. Uh, When my wife and I got married, I met my wife in the Cambridge area. I grew up in Mildenhall, right next to RAF Mildenhall. Her dad was a JAG for Third Air Force there at Mildenhall. And uh, we met and I took about 16 minutes to tell my future wife that I loved her and we should get married, true story. We met at a pub in the cutter in a town called Ely. And I look across the table and I'm like, I think you're very attractive, we should get together. And so I waited about 15 minutes and after the 16th, I said, we should get married, I think I love you. She goes, I think you're crazy, but no. Anyway, here we are, uh, 20, uh, 25 years later, uh, 25 years later, we have seven children. Uh, you go, why do we have seven children? Because um, we couldn't figure out in time what stopped it. No, I'm kidding. Um, so <laughs> we have seven children, um, but truly, uh, my wife and I, when we first met, we, we talked about how many kids you want, and you know you do this often when you're like, you just want the girl or you want the guy, and you're like, I don't care however many you want. She's like, I want seven. And I'm like, well, I want five. So we compromised and had seven. That's the truth. And uh, so we have seven kids. Uh, Our oldest is in the music industry. She's in Nashville. She works for Integrity Music or Kingsway Music from Eastbourne. Uh, she works for the organization over in the States that is partnering with Kingsgate, uh, Kingsway, and uh, so she does that, and she's not ma- uh, she's married, but doesn't have kids, just buying a house, and so she's starting life. She was born in Cambridge, in Adenbrooks. and then we have 48 other children that were born, uh, I mean six other children, um, that were born almost every two years thereafter, and so... Um, Our little guy is around 13, he's along for the ride, and our oldest is 24, and she's like leading the pack. We have four boys, three girls, and a son-in-law. So we are so thankful. And uh, church, uh, it's a joy. Uh, Tom and I, it's an honor and a joy to serve. We love the local church. We love the Bride of Christ. And you know what I love about the Bride of Christ is whether we're in Colorado, or we're in Nottingham, or we're in Peterborough, like we'll be tomorrow, or no matter where we'll be, there is something about the unity of the Bride of Christ. And so thank you for the warm welcome. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. What I want to do here over the next 30 minutes is really walk you through what is somewhat of a complex text, but it's a fantastic text about freedom. Uh, Galatians 5, it begins in Galatians 5, chapter 5, verse 1, where it says, for freedom, Christ has set us. Free. And we know that verse. We know that verse really, really well. We kind of like it because freedom is like you paint your face blue and you charge across the fields of Bannockburn, declare freedom. Like we like the notion of freedom, but let's be honest now. And you're going to have to be really honest with me now throughout the morning. There are times in our lives where we don't feel free. Where we don't feel free. Where because of some sort of secret struggle, some sort of tension in our parenting, Longing to be married, or maybe longing to no longer be married, it's true, we don't feel free. And we declare it lyrically in a song when we're led. We go, yeah, I'm free, and I'm free to sing, and I'm free to dance, and I'm free because of Jesus. But sometimes, and we'll talk about this here a little bit later in the message, that freedom has some sense of requirement on our part to carry our cross, to walk in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit speaks of us walking it out. Carrying our cross is not something, some, something done to us. When we carry our cross, we do it. So there is a responsibility as it becomes, as it relates to our freedom. Well, what I want to do is I want to talk about freedom. If you're familiar with the Galatians 5 text, you'll know that it is a gritty text where there's phrases in there such as sexual immorality, enmity, strife, divisions, fantastic content for a Sunday morning when you don't know me. You're like, why is he talking to me about strife and envy and divisions and my sexuality? Forgive me, but I feel like it's in the text. We need to dig into this stuff. But then we come out of that, and we talk about the fruit, the Spirit, and we get to live in that place. Here's my prayer. Here's my prayer over the next 28 to 30 minutes or so that we'll go on a journey of identifying where we are now, realizing that freedom has been purchased for us, and realizing that we can step into that freedom Not just for ourselves, not just for those sitting around us right now, but for an entire city that is desperate for hope. It's true for all of our lives. Sometimes we feel hopeless, and we have the hope of Jesus. They're desperate. I don't know what the statistics are for not on them, but where we're from in Colorado, we have the highest suicide rate among 17 to 21 year olds in the entire nation. I think there is a desperation that is pervading our society. Why? Because we have we have excluded God. And we're trying to find hope. And hope is not found in the absence, hope is found in the presence of God. So let's pray. That was all introduction. I'll make my message shorter at this point. But anyway, let's pray and then we'll dig in. Jesus, thank you for truly the the body of Christ. Thank you for the body of Christ, the hope of the world, Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you are indeed the hope of the world. And there is no plan B, there is only plan A, and we are plan A, the local church, to carry the message of hope to the world, that we might be a people that can truly live in freedom. Father, we acknowledge that in times in our lives, we don't feel free, but we all want to. We want to feel free. We want to feel free for our kids to parent well. We want to feel free for our spouse to have marriage well. We want to feel free in our singleness that we have healthy friendships and relationships. We want to feel free as a student to thrive in university, we want to feel free. So, Lord, give us your freedom. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 We jump in in verse 16. Paul says, and by the way, forgive me, I'll probably be using my glasses interchangeably. I've got to that age now. I've turned 44 on Wednesday. 44 on Wednesday. It's a gather around me and pray for me later. Um, But now that I have, I'm like using this. I'm strengthening my arm by doing this an awful lot. And I felt like I was going to be that young man that would say to the old person on the stage, I will never do that with my glasses. I now do that with my glasses. Okay, here we go. Verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify or satisfy the desires of the flesh. He then says, for the desires of our flesh... The flesh being not the stretchy stuff that you stretch over your bones, but the flesh in Scripture speaks about your self-will. The part of you that doesn't always want to do what God wants you to do in your life. He says, for the desires of that part of us are against the Holy Spirit, but the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. You know what that means? That means there is a fight within us. There is a fight occurring within us the entire time as we fight the desires of our flesh, as we go into, lean into, and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, for these are opposed to each other. Well, there is a consequence to that conflict, and the consequence is in verse 17. We then do things that we don't want to do. Raise your hand, honestly, with me right now, if you would say there are things that you have done in the past month or two that you're like, why did I even do that? Raise your hand right tonight. All right. Now, conversely, raise your hand if you would say, there are some things that I did not do in the last three months that I wish I had have done, but I didn't do them because of fear or one thing or another. You didn't do it. Okay. Well, we then qualify. There are things that we do that we wish we hadn't. There are things that we have not done that we wish that we ought. Well, Paul relates to this. Paul is the author of the Galatian letter. He was a prolific apostolic church planter. He was a prolific writer of God's Word. Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians and so much. Prolific author. He had the same struggle as we do. And I want to kind of read to you what really reads like a quiet time journal entry from the Apostle Paul as he wrote it, as he wrote it in Romans 7. I want to read it to you as it relates to the consequence of the conflict of what I want to do and what God wants me to do. Let me read it to you. Verse 14, I'm going to read it to you from the message. Verse 14 says, I can anticipate the response that's coming. I know that all of God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. This is Paul, all right? This is not some loony tune. This is Paul, the leader, father of the early church in some ways. He says, I know that God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Question mark. Yes, he says, I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself, now think of this, enter into this text with me, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another. I do things that I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what's best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. We're going to come back to God here momentarily as it relates to the the, the only way we can live in freedom is God. Not rebellion, not religion. The only way you can experience true freedom is in redemption in Jesus Christ, not in a rebellious life. The world says, do what you want and you'll be free. Sleep with whoever you want and you'll be free. Church sometimes says, check all these religious boxes and you'll be free. There is not two options, there are three options redemption. He says, therefore, I need to figure out what God says is true about me. But he says this, I need something as well. That is, I know that if I keep the law, I struggle to. I can't keep the law, for the power of sin within me sabotages my best intentions. Raise your hand right now if you would say sin in your life often sabotages your best interests. All right. I'm glad that at least 30% of the room are with me. Okay, The rest of you should be teaching and I should be listening. I'm just saying, because I'm like, why do I sabotage me all the time? He says, I obviously need help. He says, I realize I don't have what it takes. I can will it. I just can't do it. Goes on to say, I decide to do good, but I don't do it. I decide not to do bad and then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in action. Something has gone deeply wrong within me and it gets the better of me every time. We're talking about freedom. We're talking about freedom. This is the text about freedom. Paul saying, I know I'm spiritually free, but I often don't live in that freedom. He says, I decided to do good, et cetera, et cetera. Something's gone wrong within me. It happens so regularly. He says, it's now predictable. I can predict that I will struggle. He goes, I can predict it. I can tell you now, undeniably, there will be times in my life where I will rebel against what God wants for me. And then he says this in Romans 7, verse 22, in the ESV, if you want to turn there. I'll give you a second. If you want to turn there, Romans 7, verse 22. We're going to be in Galatians 5 and Romans 7 and 8, kind of interchangeably for a few minutes. Romans 7, verse 22 says this. He says, for I do delight in the law of God. He says, in my inner being, I delight in God. But I see in me another law waging war against my mind and making me a captive to the law of sin that dwells in me. Verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Okay, this is Paul. Paul is effectively saying, I love God. If you saw me in a worship service, you would say, that boy loves God. But if you would see me when someone cuts me off because of the diversion, I'm fit to raise the two fingers in a victory salute. I'm like, I'm fit to get after him. Okay, he says, I'm with you. But I know that God's done it. But I've got to begin to live in it. Look what he says. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? Question mark. He's about to answer the question. He's about to tell us it's Jesus. It is Jesus. That sounds like the church answer. Like you can be three years old in kids' ministry, you can be 13 or 38 or 83, and the right answer in church is always... Jesus. All right, you just raise your hand. Jesus. Like, that's what I would always do when I grew up in a Baptist church. I just raise my hand randomly and say Jesus all the time. But he he says, it's Jesus. He says, it's Jesus. He says, Jesus is the one that breaks our lives apart to reveal the goodness of God, but to break the shell of sin in our lives. All right, turn with me then. Keep your hand there in Romans. We're going to go a little bit on a Bible study here right now, and I'm going to bring it to bear here in the last few minutes. Galatians 5, verse 19, he says, This is the issue. These are the problems when you don't walk in freedom. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. These. You know what he says? That always makes me smile that he says, and things like these. Because somebody, somewhere, someday will say, well, he didn't mention my sin. <laughs> so I'm good. And he goes, and anything else like this. Friends, this is where I need your permission to say some hard things maybe into your life. And I ask you to hear them in the heart of which they're said. Compromises lead to slavery. There is grace This is not an issue of, is there grace or is there not grace? This is an issue of, is there freedom or is there slavery? And slavery is a provocative, evocative term. I hesitate to use it because of the cultural stain and shame associated with that word, but Paul uses that word and says, we are enslaved when we make compromises in these areas. And we go, it's really not a big deal. He then says, I warn you, I've warned you before. Those who do these things, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, remember, Paul has just said, for freedom, Christ has set us free. He has then said, oh, I wrestle with this. And this is a picture of what it looks like when you wrestle. So he's saying we're free. So that means there is a distinction between spiritual freedom and physical freedom. You can be spiritually free, but yet not walk in the freedom that has been purchased for you. And he says, who will deliver me is about to tie it to Jesus. You hear all the time, give your heart to Christ. You hear all the time, surrender your heart to Jesus. But do you understand what that means? That doesn't just mean that you have an open door on that final day of destiny that means that you have an open heart every day throughout your life and you are forgiven and you are forgiven and you can come to that place in many ways we're talking about vices where we talk about sexual morality and we talk about those things i have here a pair of mole grips it's not because i noticed the hinge was loose when i entered I have to tell you, sidebar comment, humorously, I was doing this earlier in the first service and I gave myself a whopping splinter, so I'm going to be more careful this service. But in many ways, this is a visual that I want to leave you with, and then I want to show you the only way you can break the vice grip, the mole grip, as it clamps upon the wood. In many ways, this wood might represent, it could either represent a sin in your life or your life. Conversely, this could either represent your life or a sin in your life, meaning the two get connected in life we when we we're told we're free wow we're free thank you jesus i'm free but we continue to struggle and we allow our life to slip and then we have a sin issue and we go to we we approach a sin issue this might be pornography this might be some form of sexual identity challenge this might be lying This might be gossip. This might be envy. I wish I had. They have. I don't. And you keep getting to it, and you go, I was envious again, but I was, oh, man, I almost got caught that time, but I'm okay. I lied. Oh, oh, I just got free out of that lie. And you know where this visual is going to go. You keep, forgive the language, screwing up your life, which means something different in the States. And then finally you get to the point. And all of a sudden, you cannot break the grip. And you go, but I'm free in Christ. Paul says, yes, you are free for, for Christ has set you free. But we struggle. We need Jesus. Can I tell you the only way for you to break this vice grip? You can't pull it. This could be you, you cheating on your spouse. And finally you go, Oh my goodness. Can I tell you why? It's no longer a sexual issue. It becomes a spiritual issue. The only way you can break a spiritual issue is to subject the spiritual issue to a higher spiritual power. Now track with me. Let me read to you what he says in Ephesians three, uh, 6.12. This struggle, he says, I'm quoting Paul, This struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities and the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Now let me read to you what he says in Romans 8. The spirit of of life has set you free in Christ. Now hear me. He's already said we're free in Christ. I don't want you to lose me now. He's already said we're free, but we allow the ensnarement that the enemy to come. And he says, but you're free in Christ. Okay. You have to come to a point in your life, in every dark shadow of your life, if you're truly going to live in freedom of saying, I have to surrender every part of my life to Jesus. I want to show you, I want to show you the effect of the broken... The, the, the chain being broken off. He says, For God has done, Romans 8:3, for God has done what the law could not do. He sent his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin has condemned our sin. Let me say it this way: Grace Church will not fulfill her redemptive mandate in Nottingham and beyond, planting churches in Newcastle and all over this country. Unless we, the people of God, you, the people of Grace Church, live in true freedom, not just the knowledge of freedom, for Christ has set us free, Galatians 5.1, but the practice of freedom, I'm free from that. It's when we live in the freedom that all of a sudden we experience the fruit of the Spirit, all of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you this weekend, you can be free. You go, I can't. Every every other night when she's gone, I go back there. Or every time I have an opportunity, I'm gossiping, I'm lying, I'm exaggerating. I just can't break it. You can't break it. That's what Paul is saying. But we need Jesus, and Jesus breaks the chains of our lives. Galatians five, twenty two through twenty four. I'm gonna bring this to bear and I'm gonna give you three final points. He says, Love, joy, peace, patience. This is what a life filled with Jesus can do. This is true freedom. He goes on, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Isn't that better than sexual brokenness, deception, and envy? I would say so. I've got seven kids. I would much rather, if I was going down the line, Julia and Job and Isaac and Elias and Caitlin and Hannah and Joseph, and see, I do have a lot of kids, I would much rather go down the line and say, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, than start at the top and go sexual immorality, envy, divisions, dissension. And wouldn't you too? Well, there will be a day when the father will stand and look at the kids. And he'll go down and he'll say, this is the identity I gave you. What was the identity you lived in? And I want to stand there and I want him to look and go, love, joy, peace. Because that day will come. He goes on, he says, this is the blessing of those that belong to Christ Jesus. Galatians 5, verse 24, who have crucified the flesh. Men and women, there is a part of our lives, for us to live in freedom, there is a responsibility for us to crucify our flesh. As I said earlier, this is not something done. Jesus doesn't crucify our flesh. We do. Jesus himself said this, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself. Meaning freedom is offered, freedom is received, when freedom is wanted. It can be offered. I can offer my kids stuff all day. Isaac, I want to give you, I want this for you. Until he reaches and owns it, it's only an offer. It's not a new life. He says, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. I want to give you three very practical ways, very simple ways of how we can guard our freedom. We've gone on this journey. You are free, but we don't live free. We know how to be free through Jesus. So how do you stay free? Three very simple points. Point number one, point number one, perhaps they're on the screen. I'm unsure if they are or not. You can just shout loudly if they are. Number one, we grow fruit when we are planted. We grow fruit when we are planted. Okay, let me explain this. It is not your responsibility to bear the fruit of the Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in you, to bear love and joy and peace in your life. It is your responsibility to plant your roots. Because a tree does not bear fruit until it is planted. Plant your roots here. Plant your life here. Give your life here. Give everything that you have to the cause of the local church. Plant your roots I don't know if this is the problem here. I forget now because I've been gone for a little while now. But in America, people are so apprehensive of putting down their roots and then they wonder why they have no community. I wish I had friends and yet they're unwilling to put their roots down. I wish people could speak into my life and I could speak into theirs, but they keep everyone at a distance and they're like this. Plant your, plant your roots. Plant your roots. Put them down deep serve and worship and join a, a team to where you're contributing and you're giving a life away. Number two, we grow fruit when we're pruned. We grow fruit when we're pruned. Pruning is not arbitrary. Like, I am not a horticulturalist, though I grew up on a farm. Like, give me a bush. I'm just going to hack it down or chainsaw it down. Like, I do not know how to trim it. Like they say with vines, like, you can come and it looks like someone's massacred the vine. But if you're a trained vine dresser, you have prepared it for greater fruits. When Jesus comes and prunes your life, it's not arbitrary. That friend that is no longer to be a friend is not because Jesus is giving you, like, a test. He's giving you a blessing. He's pruning you. All pruning by God is providential. It's not arbitrary. There's a reason behind it. For some of you, as much as point one is plant your life in relationships, for some of you, point two, you need to remove your life from some relationships, from some pursuits, from some things that you're currently going after. And point three, we guard our freedom when we protect it. We guard our freedom in Christ. I was 16 years old when at Skegness, I surrendered my heart to Jesus. Skegness, that beautiful sunside, <laughs> s- sunny resort on the southern coast of Spain. I mean the east coast of England. Skegness, it was spring harvest and a young man by the name of Martin Smith had just written a new song. He said the song was called I Could Sing of Your Love Forever. And he stood up there at Skegness, and Gerald Coates, I believe it was Gerald Coates, had just preached, if those names ring bells for any of you in the room, had just preached, and then Martin had just led that song. And then partway through the sermon, Gerald said, there are people here today that are going to surrender their heart to Jesus. And I know this because there is one man already standing in the room. I was in an event, I think it was called The Big Top, I forget. And I was standing and didn't realize I was standing. My friend beside me was pulling my jeans. Sit down, sit down. I had no idea why. I was arguing with God. I am not standing. Forget this. This is stupid. And I was standing while everyone else was seated, surrendering my heart to Jesus while everyone else was trying to listen to the sermon. And I just wept and wept, and the Lord met me and changed my life. Why do I tell you that story? I tell you that story because it was the beginning of the greatest adventure of my life, surrendering my heart to Jesus. But I've learned every day since, Daniel, protect that which God began. God, the gift of life. There are gifts in this room. You're talking about spiritual gifts right now. You're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You have a special deposit of God in your life. I realize I'm going long, so I'm going to come into land you can return your tray table to our bike and lock position and throw the vomit bag on the person next to you. We're coming into land. Here we go. Here we go. Guard your life. Guard this ministry. Guard what God is doing in your life. It doesn't matter whether you stood up at Spring Harvest 25, 30 years ago, or whether you're going to stand up here in the next 5 to 10 minutes and say for the very first time, I'm surrendering my heart to Jesus Christ. Guard it. Why? Because for freedom, Christ has set you free. It is through Christ that you gain your freedom ultimately. Live in Christ, plant your life, prune your life, protect your life and give your life. I believe it's when we see all of these factors come together, we truly experience what it means to be free in Christ. You have a choice, we have a choice. We can continue the way we are and maintain the secrets or we can come to the point of saying, I'm done. When I stood at at Skegness, I said to the Lord, I'm done running. I'm done. And I realize now it was the best decision in my life. You can make that too. We're going to pray and we're going to go into worship and sing and really minister based upon this message. My prayer is that throughout this room, there will be people today that will say, I need freedom. I want more of God in that part of my life. I need more of God in my marriage. I need more of God in my singleness. I need more of God in the way I parent. I'm exhausted all the time and I don't act well as a parent sometimes. I need more of Jesus in that moment. I need more freedom in my worship. I need more freedom in the prophetic. Where do you need more freedom? Doesn't have to be an issue of sexual brokenness or sin. It can be an issue of spiritual breakthrough. I want freedom because I'm gonna take it to the streets. We are unashamed of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Jesus, for all that you are doing in and through Grace Church. Thank you, Lord, for the ministry. Lord, I pray that you raise up in these next few moments more and more men and women walking in freedom, more and more men and women that are declaring Jesus Christ and him crucified in my life. I pray, Father, even right now, that there will be those of us in the room that would surrender, maybe for the first time, surrender our hearts to you, and we would say, come, fall afresh, fall on me, and may I know that I am forgiven. Father, thank you that we are not just saved from something, we are saved for something. We are saved not just from slavery, we are saved for freedom. And thank you, Father, that our story all that has gone before us up until this day does not define the person that we can become. It describes the story. It doesn't need to define who we will be. It merely describes what we have done. Lord, I speak in this space right now, in this house, in this place of worship, grace, church, today, that all that has gone before all that has come upon us, all that has clouded our lives, all that has hamstrung us, all that has affected us in Jesus' name. At this point, right here, right now, we ask for a new day and we do declare freedom in this place. Freedom, God. Freedom, liberty for the captives. Liberty for the the lonely. Liberty, God, for the one that is hungry. Liberty, God, for the one that is maintaining secrets. Liberty for the one that feels exhausted. Liberty for each and every one. In your name we pray. Would you stand? We're going to sing and then pass the band. We're going to pray and minister together.